0: You may be seated. You know, I always um, look forward to this—that time of worshiping with you guys here on on Sunday mornings. It's just, uh, it's a powerful time. You know, you can worship uh, individually during the week, but when we come together as the body of Christ, it's just a really powerful dynamic. I don't get to have that uh, every day with me. You can pop in a CD or whatever. But it's just not the same as as being in that moment and as God meets with us. You know, in this crazy world, we're going to continue the story of Nehemiah today. So, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and or your phone, just go ahead and check out Nehemiah. We're going to be in chapter three and four. Um, there's a lot of parallels that Nehemiah was dealing with, and and when you think about what's happening in our world. When you think about all the hurricanes, the devastation from the storms, you think about the fires in California and how many homes have been destroyed by fire. And then you, th- you look at all the devastation that's taking place in this world. And then to, to check back and look at uh, a little flashback to what Nehemiah was going through. And Nehemiah and the children of Israel had been in bondage there in the Babylonian captivity and then the king of Persia is finally releasing them to go back to rebuild his hometown, to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the, the gates and the walls that have been destroyed by fire. And so, you know, it's, it's not ironic that the Lord always gives us something in a, as far as a series to go through, but this Nehemiah series has been a challenging one to me and also an encouraging one to me. Because we saw right off the bat where Nehemiah said, hey, we got to get our hearts right before we build. You know, we got to get our hearts right. He said, hey, the people of God have sinned. I have sinned. He, he confessed that he had. And he said, but I want my heart right before we begin this project and this work. And then we saw a few weeks ago about where he went in and he, he invited, he, he knew that King Artaxerxes was going to, uh, help out. He talked to the king, and the king actually helped, helped him uh, by providing protection while he traveled back to Jerusalem, and then even helped him with the building supplies, the building material. So you know dynamics are going on here. And then remember, last week we covered. Nehemiah was dealing with. He he went and he inspected the walls. He did it at night, and he took a few men with him. And then he inspected the walls. Then he informed the people. What he saw, and then he did the invitation. He invited the people to come along in the work, and the people responded with good news. They said, "Let us arise and let us build." And so, that's that's kind of where we ended last week. And so today we're coming into what I call today's title is the people had a heart to work. And we're going to be looking at chapter 3 of Nehemiah. I'm not going to read every verse. I mean, there's some names in here that an English teacher would have trouble pronouncing, okay? I mean, there's some tough words in here. But I'm not going to give you the detailed account. But I am going to give you the overall view of what Nehemiah chapter 3 is. And then we're going to look at some things in chapter 4. And first of all here, chapter 3 gives us a detailed list of who did the work. And so the first point we have here is the work uh, is recorded. The work is recorded and we have the details that are given. You know, it's kind of fascinating when you look at some of the facts here. I underscored and I went through and I looked at all the gates and, that were involved in Jerusalem. And at that time when Nehemiah and them were rebuilding the walls and the gates, there were ten gates that were involved. And if you were to be looking at it as far as Jerusalem, they started at the very northern part and they went counterclockwise in the work. But one of the interesting things that we find is that they started the first gate that they went to repair was known as the Sheep Gate. Now, don't be worrying going, is he going to give us all 10 gates and what they mean and all that? No, I'm not giving you that today. But what I am giving you is a highlight. The Sheep Gate was the gate to where the sacrificial animals came through. En route to be, to, to be slaughtered in, for the sacrifice. And it was also the gate that led to the temple. So it's interesting that you find out right here at the beginning of chapter th- uh, 3 verse 1. Look who's building the Sheep Gate. Look who has a mind, has a heart to work right off the bat. It said the high priest along with the other priest are the ones that are coming in and they're going to build, but he also, the high priest comes in and he consecrates the, the work. In other words, they anoint it with oil and they pray over it before they begin to build. Now, now I'm going to tell you, that's one thing that we're going to do out on our property when that time comes. Before we put up, uh, before those buildings start to come out of the ground, we're going to anoint it with oil and we're going to consecrate it as unto the Lord. I think that's very significant that this is the first thing listed in the details because I believe it is the spiritual protection that is needed for such a work as that. They were, they were saying this is the most important. And check this out. The priests were working. Now I know some of y'all think preachers don't work. I've heard it all my life. Man, you preachers, y'all work one day a week. One hour a week. One day a week. Man, I hear that all the time. What do you do with the rest of your time? I'm old? well, I can tell you, it's a lot more than one hour a week and one day a week. And if you want, hey, if you want to change shoes and us change roles for a few weeks or a month, I'll be glad to. Anybody want to sign up for that? You want to walk in my shoes? Hey, I don't mind doing that. But we always think the grass is greener on the other side, don't we? We always do. Shoot, I remember when I was was in the insurance business I was an insurance agent, I had a a debit route where I went and collected money out of people's homes. The people down in Reynolds, Georgia loved and trusted me so much they would leave their money up in the pouch uh, with their door unlocked and on that given day I would walk in and I would take their money, sign my books and I would initial that I had taken that amount of money. Can y'all believe that happened right here in Georgia? People leave their house open with cash right there. It still happens in Georgia, by the way. But it won't be happening up in probably your neighborhood, but it still happens. People trusted one another. And I remember doing that and I remember I I had a great route, had a great job, and I was doing well. I was you knew you were a successful insurance person by how much golf you played that week. And you know, I was playing golf three or four times a week and making good money, and I would say, hey, I'm taking my clients out, and I was, and we would play. And here's the deal, every time I was out there, I'd always see the preachers playing, And I said, well, heck, if I'm playing three days a week and I become a preacher, I'll get to play five days a week. But that wasn't the case. I found out those guys, they were just playing golf. They weren't taking the role on like they should. But, you know, I am so glad that in this text that the priests, the spiritual leaders that God had assigned to them, they didn't sit around and say, "All right, boys, y'all go do it." They led the way. They led the way in the work, and that was powerful that they did that. That's one thing to note. Ten gates were being prepared. The next gate that came around that was prepared was was on the northern part of the city. It was very It was very important for that northern part uh, to be guarded, and so that's why they started there. It was. Needed for protection because it was the most uh, vulnerable spot to be attacked. And so they kept going around. Check this out. If you, if you notice in here, it, goes, it, it lists the people and it says next to him. Next to them. Next to them. Next to him. Next to him. It just keeps going with all that next to. And then it changes to after him. After him. Next to him. Well, all that means is next to him there was another crew, and next to him there was another one. Check this out: there were, I counted it up, there were thirty different crews working here. Thirty different crews were working on this gate. Now that's pretty amazing. Now you might be thinking, well, what was Nehemiah doing? Was he loafing? Was he the loafer? Was he just... Now, Nehemiah was actually the superintendent of the whole job site. Any of y'all ever been the superintendent and uh, of a site? Anybody in the room? Are you the loafer? you looking for the loafer, aren't you? You're looking. The, the superintendent, you, everybody thinks, oh, they don't do nothing. They're the ones that are making sure the job stays on task and the workers stay in place. They keep the supplies coming. They... There's so much involved in that supervisory role that people don't they take for granted, they don't know. But Nehemiah, that was what he was doing. Remember he was the cupbearer to the most powerful man in the world, Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And now he's over here and he's been given this assignment to be a supervisor of the building of these of the wall around Jerusalem. Pretty amazing. All right. Here's another thing that I thought was pretty significant was that there were men and there were women that were involved in the building. Now, if some of you ladies might be going, no, 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 I, I can't build anything. I couldn't do anything. Well, it, it does say in verse 12 that the daughters of one of the leaders was there helping. So I don't know what the what their role was, but there were people from lots of different vocations that were on this job site. In fact, there were people from different cities. Not everybody was from Jerusalem. Notice it says that there were some men from Jericho, there were some from Gibeon, there were some from Mizpah. There were from people from all different regions that were there working on that wall to help get it done. So that's what's important to see here. And here's another cool thing that I got out of the work, the details of it. Well, who was doing the work? First, I've already mentioned the priests were doing it. Verse 8 says there were some goldsmiths. So, hey, if you're a jeweler and you've got uh, your store and you deal with gold and all of that, they were part of the work. Then it also says there were some perfumers there. Perfumers, verse 8, that were part of the work. Now, I don't know what a perfumer does. Any of you ladies know what a perfumer does? What does a perfumer do? In biblical times, it might be different than, but I know at the malls I've gone by and then people go, come over here and let me spray this on you. Is that what a perfumer does, is it? I don't know, but I do know in the malls they're trying to get you to spray that little bit on you and then you go, and, you, and then you let that significant other one uh, of you smell it and then if they like it, then that's good. But if they don't, you shouldn't get it. Okay, you don't buy perfume for yourself. Do you? you buy it for the person that's going to like it? Amen? Now some of y'all not amen in that. Y'all, some of y'all are buying what you like and smelling what you want to smell like instead of what they want, all right? Here's a hint, ladies. All men love vanilla. That's why I love vanilla ice cream so much. But you sprinkle a little vanilla on you, you don't have to go buy any perfume. I can tell you, that's enough right there. That's enough. That's enough. Little vanilla. And now y'all, I've, I've done going to Midland right now. I' done on to Midland. but the perfumers were part of the project. I don't know what they did, but they were part of it. And also says verse 32, that merchants were part of it. And here's something that is really amazing that you'll see throughout the whole text of chapter three is that it says the court officials the government leaders were working in other words the the district official the way king artaxerxes did it he placed two of them in each district that way one didn't have more power than the other he they both had the same amount of power because he was uh, worried about or concerned if a a revolt was going to happen out of that district so he would make two people have the same amount of power so it says when it when you read throughout there it says This court official of half of this district that's what it's referring to he had half the district and so but we see we see a lot of government leaders in the work they had a heart to work. Now I know some of you in here work for the government. And there's some of you in here that work hard when you work for the government there's some people that think government workers don't work at all. They think they just got a little job. They don't work much. I mean, if you hey D O T, you go down the road, you see D O T. How many of them are working? How many of them are working? How many are they all working? Well, you probably look at them, go look at it. There's three of them there digging, and there's five of them over there watching. How many of y'all have said that before? I know you have. I know there's usually a few right there, but you know what? Think of it. Isn't this a novel idea that government workers are working? But they had a mind and a heart to work. And that's what these people were doing. They, it didn't matter what their position was. They took ownership of it. They felt a need to be a part of it. And that's what's beautiful. The only, the only ones that said that did not work and find this interesting, look in chapter 3. Verse 5, it says, Moreover, next to him, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not support the work of their masters. The nobles were the rich, the uppity people, the highly respected, the ones, well, I won't get my hands dirty with that kind of work. They were the only ones that did not get a part of it. And in fact, later on in the book, he points them out. And and letters are even sent saying, watch out for those people because they are not supportive of this work. They were the only ones that didn't get in on it. That's a shame that they missed out. So you get to see, and you know, um, it's just really remarkable to have this detailed account of so many different people from different families from different cities with different vocations both men and women coming together to restore Jerusalem's walls and reset its gates and then the other thing was they were they were an unlikely team but they shared a common purpose and as did uh, each did his or her part the work was eventually completed so it really is amazing and you know, I, I, sh- I threw this out here last week. I said, how many of you have ever been a part of building something from the ground up? And seeing it happen right before your eyes. It's an amazing thing, but, and then I asked the next question, how many of you have ever been a part of seeing a church built from the ground up? And some have. There's a few that saw a church burn and then be built from the ground up. But you know what? It's an amazing thing to see how God works. And if you've never, I know that those few that were in this room that were part of Bethlehem up the road when it burnt years ago, they saw God work in powerful ways. One of them shared with me after church Sunday, they feel the same way that the Spirit of God is working here in Gratis to do the same thing through His Spirit, to build something from the ground up. That's exciting, isn't it? And to think of, hey, I get to have a part. And I know you might be thinking, well, I can't do anything. Well, listen, a perfumer, a perfumer is helping on this project. All right? A priest, the preachers, they don't work, is helping on this project. Uh, who else? A government official is helping on this. When do they ever get out and do anything? It's helping on this project. So, you might be thinking, oh, I just don't have anything to bring to the table. Guess what? You do. You do. The people had a mind, had a heart to work. Okay, that's the the details. The work is recorded in the details. And then I'm going to give you the latter part of today and we'll be done. And that is the work is ridiculed. It is despised chapter four verses one through three said it came about uh, here's that guy again Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall he became furious and very angry and he mocked the Jews you know it comes back once again I mean why why is this Sanballat who is this guy Why does he have the right to even be upset he's not a Jew this isn't his hometown, he's from a different area, but he can't stand it, that something is happening, and it's nearby his area, and he's, a, he's despising it. He became furious, and he was very angry. He mocked the Jews, and he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the, notice this, the wealthy men of Samaria, and he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? And that was Sandbalat's thing to where he ridiculed. Who are these feeble Jews? What do they think they're doing? Can they build this? Can they can, look at what's out there trying to build this. Can they do this in a day? May I say to you, this is none of Sam Ballas' business. It's none of his business what they're doing, is it? But he's trying to make it his business. This is a boundary issue right here, by the way. Has there ever been anybody try to get in your business that had no right to be in your business? Hmm. So you're going to preach it now, now. You're going to preach it. Anybody ever try to get in your business, didn't have no right to be in your business? Boy, I heard it all last week. Somebody coming in saying, so-and-so said so-and-so to me. I said, that's a boundary issue. That's a boundary issue. That's their stuff. You got your stuff. Don't let them bring their junk over into your stuff. Amen? Amen? Amen, y'all. <coughs> know your boundary stuff. Uh, I was down visiting my mom and dad, and you know, <coughs> whenever you go to visit your family, they always cross the boundary with you. They always do. And I've come in, and you know, I hadn't even been talking to my uncle a few minutes, and he said, man, you gaining weight, Mike. They must be feeding you as a preacher up there real good. I said, it's good to see you too, huh? That's what I said to him. I said, yeah, I put on a few pounds, but I got to work it. And Lord, when I go to visit Mama, it don't mean I'm coming away any less. Because she had all the desserts, the homemade ice cream, the pecan pie, and I had to eat it. I couldn't let it go to waste. And I, and I know how good it is. That's the bad part, y'all when you know how good it tastes and it's sitting there but all that was boundary going on but I had another guy told me this week some personal stuff that he was going through and I said those are boundary issues and it's amazing how people want to cross their line and get over into your business when they have no business getting over in your business they need to take care of their own business first Well. There was a boundary issue going on here. And they didn't like what was happening. And then ballot that's what he had to say. Listen to what Tobiah said, the Ammonite. He was near him. And he said this, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. Now, that's a pretty bad insult. Now, we trash talking now. In other words, what you doing over there? If a little old dinky fox were to jump and jump on it, it, your wall's coming down. And the wall came tumbling down. That's when you you don't play your mama card at the end of that one. But when people start trash talking you like that, Tobiah was just a trash talker. He's trash talking them. Little old fox going to jump on your wall, even if you're trying to build, it's coming down. So can you imagine when we start to build, one day when we start to build, if somebody comes along and says, look at that. Look at what they're doing. That don't look like a church. Look at it. Man, that's not, that's nothing. mm. That's their business. That's their business. Long as it's outside, don't let it be coming from the inside, amen? Don't let it be coming from the inside. Let it be coming from the outside. But here's the deal. The people that always want to trash talk or blast you or ridicule you or despise you, they're not in there wanting to do the work. They're not in there wanting to help. They're not wanting to help the situation. So that's what old Tobiah did, to trash talker. He said, if a fox should jump on it, it'd break it down. So how would you feel if, uh, if you're working on your project, you're working on rebuilding your place you love, your hometown, and you hear this kind of language coming at you? How would that make you feel? Would you be ready to fight? Or would you be ready to just say, you know what? I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to keep my hands to the work. That's what happens here. Now, Nehemiah, after hearing this, and he saw what they were doing to the people and discouraging, and, and he uses the word demoralized. Notice here, verse 4. Nehemiah gets serious. And I'm going to tell you, you would not want Nehemiah praying against you. This is a guy that knows the Lord. He's, he's known as a man that walks with the Lord. Now, he's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He is a, he was a, Cupbearer to a king who is a faithful man of God to do what God's asking to do, but when he prays, God's listening. So he begins to pray in verse 4. He says, Hear, O our God, how we are despised. And then he gets, he says, Return their reproach on their heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. And then he prayed, verse 5, Do not forgive their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out before you, for they have demoralized the builders. Now that is a hard prayer right there, friend. That wasn't one of these, Oh, Father, forgive them for what they're doing and trash-talking about the rebuilding of the Jerusalem walls. Oh, no. Nehemiah said, God, get them. God, get them. Turn, don't forgive what they've been doing by... Casting up insults at your people, turn it back on their head. Ooh, you think, ooh, that's Nehemiah. He's bowing up, isn't he? And he's doing it in prayer. He's bowing up on them. Man. But why was he defenseless? I mean, why was he defending? Because he saw how it was demoralizing the people who had a heart and a mind to work with all these insults coming at them and all of this ridicule that was coming their way. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If, okay, if Sean, you're out there over the building project and you're doing something over the land and watching out for it and outsiders start coming out there trash talking your workers and your job site, how you going to feel about that? Think about it. You're going to go over there and say, all right, brother, just let's go to have a cup of coffee together. and Let's talk about this. And Nehemiah took it on. He took it on. The supervisor took it on. And he took it to God. And I'm going to tell you, I've, I've said this all along. You know, I'd rather have my wife mad at me than God mad at me. Now, you, now listen to what I'm saying there. Because... When my, well, if I make my wife mad and she starts praying for me, oh, I'm done. I am done. Because her prayers get answered a whole lot faster than mine do. And I know I am a dead duck with her prayers going on toward me. It's, I got to repent quick because I am going down if I don't. And some of y'all might be married to a prayer warrior like that. And you know what I'm talking about. And so I've learned Oh, I'd rather have Angie mad at me than God mad at me. And I say that knowing that I don't want either one of them mad at me. But the truth is, when certain people, like Nehemiah, began to pray, God is listening to deal with this situation. And then it closes out here. So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height. Notice the last line. For the people had a mind. They had a heart to work. So that's where I close today. That's, the story's going to continue, but that's where we're going to wrap it up today. The people had a heart to work. The most unlikely crew that you might would ever put on a job site. perfumers, priests, political leaders, merchants, business owners, all kinds of people were on the site doing the work. So when our time comes, no matter who you are, and no matter what gift set you feel, will you be about saying, Lord, here I am. Here I am because I have a heart to work to build your kingdom. Now, listen. One thing I'm talking about is a physical structure that will come up out on 3200 Pierce Smith Road. The other thing I'm talking about is a spiritual thing about building God's kingdom. Yes, God wants to use you. He wants to use you in your profession. He wants to use you daily to help build his kingdom. Because that is what it's all about. Will The walls will eventually get built here. The buildings will eventually come. But the spiritual part, folks, is the most important part. They had a heart to work to build the kingdom. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the reminders in it that challenges us and